Well, good morning. Welcome to Cross Point Fellowship. Uh, I want to let you know that I am a pinch hit preacher. Normally it's Paul, whom I think everyone in this room has probably met before. My name is Jake. Uh, and so if you're like, okay, this isn't what I expected, that's okay. Paul will be back next week. Now, before I do anything else, I want to take the opportunity to share the gospel with you. This sermon today is primarily directed at people who are Christ followers, people who are on that journey of trying to follow the example of Christ. And so if that's not you, if you've never heard the gospel before, and everything that I'm going to say after this, you're like, okay, he's talking about things I'm not really familiar with or I've only heard about or whatever. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to share the gospel with you. So here it is, in short, okay, in short, humanity, which was created by an all-perfect God, has rebelled. Sin entered the world. Sin is rebellion against God. It is disobedience to our creator, the ultimate authority of the universe. And when disobedience happens, justice should also happen. And if God is just, and he is, then a price must be paid. Now, we are the ones that deserve to pay that price. We are the ones with the evil deeds in our minds, in our hearts, and surely in our actions. Humanity as a whole has done some pretty messed up stuff throughout human history. And there was a price to be paid. And so God said, instead of having us pay that penalty of rebellion against him being perfect, he sent his son down to earth, coming onto earth through, the, through a virgin birth, living a perfect sinless life, who was falsely convicted and tortured and executed in a really heinous way to die, and was killed, was murdered on the cross. And that was the price that was paid for our rebellion against God. And so if you're like, okay, I just don't get it. Like I see all these kind of, you know, portrayals of Christians on TV or on the news or whatever else. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, why is kind of this Jesus says even a big deal? Is this just a club or what? Here's the thing, okay? When you say, I accept the word of God, I see the example of Jesus, and I am now going to take the gift of the Holy Spirit and have my life be changed. At that point, you are different and your sins are forgiven. All those things in your mind and in your heart, all those things that you've done, those things are forgiven, those things are washed away, those things are clean, and you are seen in God's eyes as flawless thanks to the sacrifice of his son. Now, if you're still a little confused about that, that's a little weird, whatever, I'd be happy to talk to you. There's several people in this room that would be happy to talk to you. But if what I just said itched something in your heart, if something I said, you're like, ooh, man, and you're like thinking about the things that you've done in your life, conversations that you've maybe had with other people, that's the spirit. Don't leave today and go to lunch and just let that go. Talk to somebody, talk to me, talk to somebody, act on that because God is trying to talk to you. So in short, 
this is your first time in church, you don't even know what to expect, there's the gospel. Go with that. All right. So, as David said, this is uh, my family's last Sunday at Cross Point Fellowship. It was just by a weird coincidence that I was asked to fill in. Paul's vacation was planned some weeks back, and I said yes. My original sermon was about something completely different before we knew that we would be leaving. But since then, in the past, in the whirlwind past, what, four, six weeks, since we've kind of thought that the Spirit was leading us away, been doing a lot of reflecting which is natural to do when you are going through a season of change, when you are about to enter a, a new era, when you're leaving one thing and going into another, it is normal to look back on that time and reflect. And my family and I have been doing a lot of that. And so this isn't part of the regular sermon series. Again, this is all, I'm kind of just crashing in here and disrupting the order of things. This isn't part of uh, what, what our sermon series that's been going on. Uh, this is a product of my reflection on the last six years or so at Crosspoint. This is a, I guess, a, a farewell address of sorts. Uh, it is a long thank you. Try not to make it too long. I know you're going to be hungry by the end of this, okay? Try not to go too long here. But it is both a long thank you and a message of encouragement. These are, I've narrowed it down to five things to where when we first started Crosspoint and where I was on my spiritual journey to today and the things that during my time at this church, thanks to many of you, ways that I have been able to go from uh, one point A to point B, and I still have point C to Z to go on this journey, but maybe I've at least made it from point A to point B, and maybe there will be something in here that I talk about that you're like, ooh, yeah, ugh, struggle with that one too, ooh, yeah, what he's saying, I'm kind of there too. So my encouragement to you is that, man, I was there. I'm still there on a lot of this stuff, okay? What this is not is this is not me, okay, Mr. Perfect, hey, Got it all figured out, guys. I'm going to wag my finger at y'all and tell you guys, here's what you got to do to be spiritual. I am here on stage as a hypocrite, okay? I'm going to sit here and talk about all these biblical truths, but I am far from perfect and I am still figuring out as well, but I'm going to try and share some of this with you, hoping that it will bless you in some way. So that said... Here are the five things that I have learned and observed during my time at Crosspoint. Crosspoint has taught me all about sin. Let's go to 1 John. And it says, but if we are... Living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You cannot beat sin by focusing on the sin. You can't 
just will it to go away from you. You can't just say, stop sinning, stop sinning, stop sinning. If you do that, that's what you're thinking about. If there was a pink elephant over here on the stage and I said, nobody think about the elephant. There's an elephant over here, but don't look at it. Don't think about the elephant. Everyone is going to be staring at that elephant because I'm sitting here talking about it and I'm acknowledging its presence. And for so long, when I had sin in my life, that's what I was trying to do. You would come to church. Hey, guys, here's kind of these lists of don'ts, these things to stay away from, these things that you shouldn't do, these things that you need to be better. Church is not a self-help book. What it is, is a place for you to to come and be filled with the Spirit. So the first step to conquering sin, and the first thing that I had to learn was to just let that pink elephant be, let it do its thing over here, and I'm going to turn away from it, and over here is Jesus' example in all his glory. Over here is the Holy Spirit saying, I want to take control of your life. Listen to me. Do what I tell you. And so I'm not focusing on my sin anymore. I'm over here listening to the Spirit. I'm over here reading God's Word, and I am following the example of Jesus. And that pink elephant gets bored and walks away, and there's no more room within me for that sin. When you are filled up, when your cup is full, if you try to pour something into it, there's no more room. That box is full. So the first step that I've learned to overcoming sin is to fill yourself with the Spirit until there is no room left. The second thing I learned is that sin needs light exposed on it like a bunch of cockroaches. What I mean by that is, is, you know, you see a lot of people who are in sin struggles you see pastors or, or whoever, and they, they get up on stage and they say, you know, ah, I used to struggle with this thing and now this is how I came out of it and I'm all good now. What you don't see a lot is people who come up and say, hey, I've got this sin struggle and uh, yep, still in it, still doing it, still want to do it, still like to do it. Uh, I know I shouldn't. I don't like it whatsoever. I wish I could stop. It's tearing my family apart. This really sucks, guys. Um, so anyway, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go uh, back to that sin now. Thanks. We're, we get in this spot where we're like, we don't want to be here. We know we don't want to be here, but we're caught in this trap. So we have to shine light on that. One of the most common problems, okay? I'm leading this men, men's discipleship group, okay? One of the most common problems is you get on the internet and there's things that are super easy to click on, There's places that are really easy to go and every advertiser in the world knows that and says, hey, come on, right? Men like to look at pretty women. There is no getting around that. And that can suck you in so fast and it's shameful and it's embarrassing. You don't want to tell anybody, especially not your family. So I started a a, a thread and I said, men of Crosspoint, I'm kind of done with this, distracting me. I am done with this wall of sin separating me from God. I'm tired of this. Here you go. And guess what? Guess what? Everyone else, oh, 
Yeah, I guess I'm the only one. No. And it was one of the best things I ever did because there was accountability. There was there were people relating to what I was going through and we were and we were able to walk through that and I said, "Don't be afraid to come up to me." And it made me much more intentional because we all have to use the internet. There's no getting around that. Okay? It made me much more intentional about avoiding the traps because I knew that at any given point, a brother in Christ could come up to me and be like, hey man, how you doing with that? And I'm a terrible liar. That's not one of my struggles. I can't lie. If I try, I get this weird, awkward look on my face and this weird giggle and it's like, what's wrong with you, dude? Okay, I can't lie about it. So if I'm confronted, you're gonna know what the deal is. So my encouragement to you is two things. If you have a sin struggle in your life, number one, Fill yourself, turn your back on it, and fill yourself with the Spirit until there's no room left. And number two, get others around you that can shine bright light on that sin for you and let the cockroaches scatter. Get rid of that infestation. The second thing that Crosspoint has taught me is all about Scripture. In 2 Timothy, it says, But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What I've learned in the past six years or so is that reading and understanding scripture requires effort. It requires effort. If anybody tells you that reading scripture is easy, just flip that sucker open and pick some stuff and you'll be blessed. Okay, flip it open to Leviticus and, or flip it open to Revelations and let me know if you've got any questions. Okay, scripture was written over thousands of years by many different authors in many different time periods, writing to specific people groups in varying literary styles, some of which we don't really have an equivalent of today. It's been translated and translated and translated. Now, God is clearly in that process. Scripture is something that we should be able to trust. So don't hear me say that. What I am saying is that it requires effort. We live in an era where the entire Bible is Googleable, Anything that you come across or you read, you can plug it into your search bar and you're gonna have five, six, seven sermons. You're gonna have uh, papers. You're gonna have commentary. You're gonna have all kinds of stuff. Some of it's gonna vary. Some of it's may even contradict each other. That's why I'm saying this is hard. That's why I'm saying it requires a little bit of homework. Many, many years ago, you didn't have Bibles. The early church didn't just have scripture they could 
Just, oh, cool, Here, you know, I go into a hotel and open the drawer and there's my Gideon Bible. They didn't have any of that. They had to rely on the holder of the scroll, the clergy, to interpret and explain scripture to them. There was a time people wanted access to scripture and people were literally martyred over this. People were killed over the right for the lay person to have access to the word of God. And part of that pushback from the spiritual leadership, the church leadership was, how could we expect the average turnip farmer to understand what is going on in scripture? How can, we, how can we expect them to understand the context of what they were reading? Some of them couldn't even read back then. And so to an extent, I also understand where they're coming from on that. If you look how many different denominations we have, even within this congregation, you want to start talking about some interpretations of scripture. I'm not trying to charge. I don't want a church split here. Okay. I'm not trying to start anything, but what I'm telling you is that people are going to read different things and come to different conclusions. What you need to insert there is the spirit. There were so many things that when I started cross point, I thought I knew. I had heard it my whole life, or it had come from somewhere else, and I thought, this is what this means, and then either through a sermon, either through a small group, or just my own curiosity, I discovered that, okay, wow, there's a lot more to what I just read. You can't just take one or two verses out that was written thousands of years ago to specific people for a specific purpose in a specific literary style and go, let's apply this to 2022 in my situation. Sometimes that works. That's the spirit leading, but exercise caution is all I'm saying. Be open to the idea that scriptures that you have read your whole life, maybe they don't mean what you think they mean, or maybe they apply to multiple scenarios. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. This is where prayer comes in. God, show me. God, you are all-knowing. God, use the word and your spirit to guide me in what I am doing. Understanding scripture requires effort. And if you don't think that context matters, read Ezekiel 23.20 on your own time and tell me that you don't need some context or some help understanding what scripture matters is supposed to say, and everything in scripture is just a Google away. I encourage you to use that tool and to use your pastor. Number three, Crosspoint has taught me all about time. We're going to go to Haggai, which uh, in the not too distant past, Paul did a sermon series on Haggai that was really good. It is not a book of the Bible that is explored an awful lot. Uh, and he did a really good job going through that. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that series if you missed part of it, because it is one of his better series. So in Haggai, you have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm, and he who earns wages 
does so to put them into a bag with holes. This verse and the story of Haggai has a lot to do with keeping the main thing the main thing. These guys were sent to a place with a purpose, and they were like, nah, okay, we're, you know, this got hard. We're going to kind of like, nah, got distracted. They just went about living their lives and lost focus of what their God-given mission was. There's a show that my family has been watching that involves time travel. And in one part of the show, there is a girl who gets taken out of her farmhouse in 1930 and is put here in 2022 and suddenly is in like a coffee shop and is like, whoa, like what is going on here? Eventually, she is kind of uh, shuffled out by the protagonist and it's like, hey, you've traveled through time and sorry and we're gonna try to get you back and all this. And she goes, is this what the future's like? Everybody here is so frantic, okay? Coming from a farmhouse in the 1930s to a coffee shop in 2022, Certainly, frantic is a word that I would use to describe how life is in this day and age. There is something that in, in the chaplaincy world I have heard said many times, and that is called the ministry of presence or the ministry of availability. And what that means is, is that you have enough margin, that you are open enough, that you are present in a situation with somebody, that you are available when somebody needs you. If your life is stacked up from sunup to sundown with stuff you gotta do, with places you gotta be, with obligations that you have to meet, how much margin is there in your life to take on the burdens of others. It's much more difficult to do that. If we are living our lives in such a frantic way, if by the end of the day it's 1030 at night and you're exhausted, there are brothers and there are sisters in Christ and there are people that are hurting, that need an ear, that need a shoulder, and what they need to know is that their family in Christ has the margin to help shoulder their burdens. This is coming from somebody who for almost 10 years worked 60 plus hours a week on, and, and I'm not talking even daytime, I'm talking middle of the night, everything. I lived at work. I had many different hobbies and interests that I wanted to chase. Chelsea calls them shiny objects that I would see and try to chase and do, things I wanted to accomplish. I was so uh, consumed with what I wanted to do, with climbing the corporate ladder or with completing this project or with you know, doing this hobby, that at some point I had, I had sacrificed my family on the altar of my career and there certainly wasn't any room left over for your problems. I got my own stuff. What are you come crying to me for? Sorry, I don't have time. Wait, hold on, I gotta take this work call. There's no margin. So if we struggle to keep ourselves and our family in a sense of balance, in a sense of calm, when others around you can see it, 
seeping out of your pores of how busy and how stressed you are. Sometimes life throws stress and you can't help that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about self-imposed activity overload. And if other Christ followers can see it, they are going to be much more reluctant to lean on you if you can barely hold yourself up. So take stock of your life every now and then and find out what is eternally important. Look and say, does this matter in the context of eternity? Does this matter in the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, you got to make money. Even the apostle Paul like made tents on the side, okay, to make a little dough so the church wouldn't have to support him. I'm not saying everybody quit and go be a missionary. Don't hear me say that. What I'm saying is through prayer, through the guidance of the spirit, it is healthy to take stock of how you are spending your time your days are numbered, your minutes are numbered, your hours numbered. One day God's going to take you, you don't know when, and you're going to have to give account for how you spent your time. Was it furthering the kingdom or was it furthering your own interests and running yourself into the ground? I leave that to you. Number four, Crosspoint has taught me all about serving. In Galatians, we read, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. I want to stop right here for a second, and I want to say to anybody who serves in the church, I'm talking to you folks online because there's we're missing a lot of people today. If you couldn't tell, there's going to be people listening to this later. Thank you for serving the church. VBS today, that's not all-inclusive. VBS was huge. I mean, guys, people were giving up four nights, okay? Church camp, that's, wow, okay? Counters, kids area, cleaners. Caitlin writes the calendar on the board. Someone checks the mail, okay? Someone makes the coffee. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on in the church that is invisible, so thank you if you're one of those people that has an area where you're plugged in, the band too. Thank you for your service to the kingdom. Service is the reason why we came to Crosspoint in the first place. We wanted to find a church where we could get plugged in. We wanted to be involved in a significant way. So I came in thinking, well, what can I do? Hmm, maybe I could do something important because like, that's why we came here. I'm willing, God, to do something important. And the pastor said, well, we really need somebody to come in during the week and sweep. Like, <laughs> not what I had in mind. Uh, okay. And so I did it. That is, was my first point of service at Crosspoint was sweeping the floors. Guess what? People are still sweeping the floors. That's still happening and it still needs to be done. But I had to learn that sometimes we don't get to serve, even when we're open and willing, we don't get to serve where we want. And I've seen many people serve in areas where they are weak. These areas where you're like, yeah, that's not really my thing. And sometimes God's like, well, it's gonna be because where you're weak, I am strong. 
You're going to go in there not knowing what to do. You're going to go in there with no skills, no talent, no ability, maybe no desire, but you're going to be obedient and my glory is going to shine through what you are doing. My glory is going to shine through your weakness. And if you are faithful with little, then you will be trusted with much. I think, somebody can call me out if I'm wrong, I think my family and I have served in every area of the church other than the band. That wasn't for lack of trying, but after a few karaoke nights, that was ex-nade, okay? I was not allowed to. It's not that I wasn't willing. There are so many areas to serve, and if you're thinking in your head, you're like, mm, ooh, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really want to do that. Or, okay, well, where do I start? Where can I serve? Let me tell you something. Jerrica's going to need some help. Jerrica is going to need some help in the kids' area. There are gaps for as soon as August. So guess what? If you're hearing this and you're like, oh, God's telling me to serve, there you go. Get in touch with Jerrica. Chelsea can get you in touch with Jerrica since she's not here. There you go. There's a place to serve. Be open for God to use your weakness while you are searching for the gifts that God has given you. Not always your strengths, the gifts that God has given you, and God-given is the key to that. Romans 12 says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophecy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Being a Christian is not passive. Being a member of a church is not passive. Everyone should be giving something. The early church really shows an example of this. Everybody's giving to what everyone else needs and nobody did without. Every organization has this tendency to float to this 80-20 rule. If you don't know what that is, it means 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Churches should be different. It should be 100% of the people do 100% of the work. Don't be afraid to sweep the floors if that is what God is calling you to do. Everyone should be giving something and be open to using your weaknesses. And I'm just going to say it again, Jerrica needs help in August. Number five, and this is, I'm, this is the most important one to me. That's why I saved it for last. It was, it, maybe number one would have been more appropriate, but I, I wanted to do this one last. And Crosspoint has taught me all about prayer. First Thessalonians, 5, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 simply says, never stop praying. It's a very short verse, but man, it's important. If you don't have any scripture memorized, boom, great starting point. Never stop praying. You don't even have to know it's in Thessalonians. Never stop praying. Boom. Memorize that verse. This used to be my area of greatest weakness. Before I came to Crosspoint 
And for all of my life before that, I was like, dude, am I talking to the wall? Am I talking to the ceiling? This is kind of weird. It feels awkward. I'm distracted. It's boring. Is this even doing anything? It felt ridiculous. I didn't like doing it, and I didn't do it. And I knew that this was my greatest area of need because I saw other people praying, and I saw the impact it had, and I knew that something had to change. I worked at Mercy Hospital for over a decade. And I'm in these situations where I'm in the hospital and I walk beside a patient's room, complete stranger, don't even know what's going on. God says, you're gonna pray for that person. And I said, what? No, thank you. And God said, you're gonna pray for this person. And I said, God, I don't want to do this. And he said, remember how you're like, show me what I should do. Show me how to be better. I don't know about prayer. I need an area to serve. I'm trying to trust you, God. Remember all that stuff? Yeah, go pray with that person. I mean, it was like a little kid, like crying in the aisle, like, please don't make me do this. So I go into the room, complete stranger, uh, so yeah, like, see you're in the hospital, uh, got your leg kind of looks weird there, uh, so hi, I'm here, I work here, uh, do you want to like, oh, uh, like pray or something, you know, it was super awkward, and you know what, you know how many yeses I got? A lot. People wanted to be prayed for, usually in one of the worst days of their life. And you know what? I had no idea what to say. And I think about all these people, you know, Paul kind of makes the joke where he like grades prayers, you know, those first few prayers, they were like D pluses at best. They were terrible. So someone's like, yeah, I got this thing. And you know, I got in a wreck or whatever. I'm like, okay, uh, guy. And it was the most awkward thing. And it got to the point where I would just say, Lord, uh, this is Danny. Uh, his leg hurts. Uh, Father, see him. Let him know that he is seen and uh, let him feel like you hear him and that you see his pain. It was weird. But I leaned into the awkwardness and I just obeyed and I just said, This is going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. And I'm going to keep doing it because God told me to. And so time and time again, I would be minding my own business, walking through the hospital at work. Ah, not again. Fine. And you know what? There were a few times where someone, there's a couple times I got told to F off. They didn't want me there. I hate God or whatever. Like there's all kinds of responses that I got. Yeah. Talk about like, I'm kind of uncomfortable with praying, but I want to see how this goes. And then someone tells you that. And then you're like, oh, great. Well, gosh. That'll kind of rock your confidence a little bit. All prayer is, is you as a believer in Christ, having the Holy Spirit within you, you are an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven and you are going to God on behalf of that other person. That's all you're doing. And we tend to overcomplicate it. We need it to have fancy words. We need it to sound a certain way. All you need to say is, God, see this person. God, hear this person. God, hear me, see me. God, help. Paul had a really good sermon about this a few weeks back. 
Prayers can be two, three words. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. In the Marine Corps, every Marine, even if you're a paper pusher, is taught how to use a rifle and knows the basics of combat. Every sailor that joins the Navy at some point is taught the basics of firefighting because if your ship catches on fire and goes to the bottom of the ocean and you're a paper pusher, you can't do your job. Okay, so there's a basic knowledge of, look, yeah, you have this other thing, but this is something that you got to know how to do when there is a battle to be fought. That is the way prayer is for Christians. Whatever your spiritual gift is, prayer should be something that at a moment's notice, you are ready to listen to that command and you are ready to pray with somebody who needs it. There should never be a time that you say no and your antenna should always be up to someone who needs prayer and just lean into that awkwardness, baby. Just let it happen. Let it be weird. Who cares what you're gonna say? It can be three words long and I'm telling you, it will make a difference in that person's life. Guarantee it in one way or another. So if you don't remember anything else from my sermon today, let it be this, that this church, this body, and people in general cannot get enough prayer. You can't. You can't pray too much. It's impossible. It's not possible. Pray without ceasing. So I'm going to do something a little different during our prayer time. Don't know how it's going to go. It might be weird. If you have any complaints about it, you bring them back next week. Let them know. Okay. If you're feeling convicted by anything I said, that was a little too on point for you, bring it back next week, complaint box, go ahead. I'm sorry, not sorry. We're gonna do something a little, a little different. If you are a, a person of Crosspoint, if you are a member of Crosspoint, if this is your church, I'm gonna ask you to do one thing. If you're visiting, and if this is like, this isn't my church, I'm gonna ask you to do something different because this is gonna be kind of weird. We're gonna pray for the church. So if, if you, if this is your place, and you know who you are if you're one of the core people, okay? I, I want you to, I, the band, I want the band to come up. I want the band, go ahead and come up. But if you're one of the cross point people, we're gonna pray over this church. You know how normally when something's going on, we're like laying hands on people? We're gonna lay hands on the church. This is just a building. The building itself is just a shopping center. It doesn't mean anything. But I want you to, to stand up, grab a piece of real estate. Sorry, I'm going off camera here. Sorry, online people. And just, we're gonna lay hands on the building itself. Band, you, you guys are touching your instruments. So if you're a cross pointer, get up and do that. If you're not, put your hands on the seat in front of you, okay? There's somebody I know that's on your mind, a son, a daughter, a friend, a coworker. There is somebody that needs prayer from you. Don't overcomplicate it. As the band starts to play, I mean, we're just going to do like, I mean, like 30 seconds because I don't want this long, awkward pause. You don't know what to say, okay? And then I'm going to pray for the future of this church because if there's one thing that, as I'm looking to the next chapter, that I want to leave you with is how important it is that you pray for this body how important it is that you pray for each other and how important it is that you look externally and pray for others. All right, so grab a piece of real estate. Everybody's good. Man, I'm gonna count to about 30 seconds. Don't overcomplicate it and just pray for this body, pray for Crosspoint and pray for the future of this church.
Okay, that's it. That's all I'm asking. Just, just little breath prayers. That's it. You guys can sit down if you want. I'm not going to make you stand up any longer if you don't want to. So this afternoon and beyond, think about that person that you know needs prayer. And yes, you too. Lift it up. If you're talking to the ceiling, just keep going. Keep going. Eventually, it will click, I promise. I have seen at this church really powerful stuff happen through prayer. Paul would always be like, all right, because I told him, I felt convicted. I'm like, yeah, I need to get better in prayer. So you know what he did? He didn't give it. He's like, okay, cool. Uh, Jake, can you go stand up over there? And I'm going to make it everybody available to go pray with you. And I'm like, okay, we're doing, this is what we're doing. <laughs> but man, have I been blessed by some of you that have come up to me and you have given me pieces of your heart. What, what an honor. What a responsibility. So thank you and know that I've been praying for you. And when you tell somebody that you're praying for them, keep that promise. Because that's thrown out a lot. Make sure that you are actually doing it and follow up with them. So that there's, if there's anything that I've said today on my, well, my top five list here that the Spirit used to move you, don't leave this morning without acting on it in some way. Even if it's not somebody here, maybe text somebody you know, be like, dude, I heard something this morning. God moved in me. I don't know. Maybe it's time for some accountability. Maybe it's time for some change. Maybe it's time for, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but if it moved you, don't go to lunch and forget about it. I hope that you have felt encouraged. I hope maybe you've even felt convicted. Pray about why you feel that way. I'm going to get off the stage here in just a second. I'm going back over under the whiteboard. I would love to pray with you. Find somebody. Don't be ashamed. And before I get off the stage again, I just want to say, and to all the people that aren't here as well, from my family to everybody here, thank you for all that you have done for us and how you have blessed us over the past six years, how you have helped us change and grow in Christ. The relationships we've had have just been absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm going to pray. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm just going to do it. I know. I know. Probably run along. I'm going to pray. Father, just thank you. Thank you for this church. I pray for the future of this church. I thank you for every member of this body, present or away. Father, you have done amazing things. You are doing amazing things, and you will continue to amaze us because it's not our ability. It's you. You're going to make Crosspoint the hands and feet of this community. Thank you for reaching people. Give us opportunities to serve. Give us opportunities to pray. Show us what the scripture means. Reveal yourself to us, Father, and may we be faithful in what you command us to do. Amen. Crosspoint, thank you. I'll be over here if you want to pray.